It's always great to be with you and uh, it's good to see the uh, hedge end guys here as well. Uh, Steve's, Steve Haynes just saying to me, prophetic word, you know, to say to, at the end of this, come back Steve, all is forgiven, you know. We're not going to allow that, weigh that one carefully. It's a little bit like Britain's Got, I've watched Britain's Got Talent for the first time last night in the final. It's a bit like that here, isn't it, with all this going on and the clacks and the clicks. I was ho- half hoping the elders were going to bring sort of one of the ladies forward and sort of throw her over the top and be caught at the back after last night winning or Johnny on the drums just going to go into one of those. <laughs> Absolutely superb. Well, it is a big day uh, for Winchester. Yeah, it's a big day for Bournemouth as well. John's going to come down this evening and we're going to put in an elder, a young elder, uh, Martin, into our eldership. But it's a big day for you in Winchester uh, with Steve taking responsibility uh, to take what we would call a lead elder role. I just wanted to say what that is in terms of just helping everyone to understand. Steve's primary responsibility as from today will be to lead the team of elders and to give his energies um, to the vision, to the direction, to the leadership of Winchester Family Church in this next season. He's taking that on from John Groves, uh, and John isn't sort of fading into the background. John is taking more responsibility, actually, in in an apostolic sense, uh, both for this church, helping Steve to play that role, but also in a wider role, helping me uh, in the UK and actually in the nations of the world as well. So you're not losing John. Uh, You're not losing his teaching, his influence, his leadership, his prophetic gifting. In fact, what we are trying to do today is to strengthen this church in recognising God's hand upon Steve to bring much-needed strategic gift to lead this church into the next phase. And it's encouraging on a day like today to have that prophetic uh, speaking to us about you're in the eye of the storm. There's There's a sense of something momentous about to happen. I believe leadership is key in all that God wants to do. So it's a great honour to be here and I'm thrilled to be uh, laying hands on Steve in a few minutes' time. I am convinced uh, that there is a huge call of God on this church and uh, I believe if you uh, were to focus this morning and think that today is all about Steve and Annette, you would miss the heart of God. I believe the heart of God is speaking to you as a church and saying to you, as Steve says, I will take responsibility to lead, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come on you as a church and say, we will take responsibility to go and to put into practice everything Steve, John, the elders direct us and lead us into. Because I think this is a, this is a watershed sort of moment for you as a church. I really feel it's very, very strategic uh, and, and obviously when you, when you come in to speak on a day like today, you're praying. And uh, I kept getting the picture of Noah's ark. And uh, when Noah built that ark, which was a huge structure, no one had ever, ever built a boat even before, as far as we know. Let alone a huge, huge thing. No one had seen floods, no one had seen rain as it was going to rain, and yet Noah, by faith, built this huge structure in the belief that God was going to judge the earth and this ark was going to save the lives of animals and people. 
And I really felt as I was just meditating and praying for the day that as a church you've completed this building. I want to say, well done. We're just about to embark on a million pound building project and it's like, oh, do I have to go this way again? It's, it's, it's going to be a similar size auditorium in the heart of Bournemouth. And uh, I just want to say, well done. You haven't had to borrow money from the banks. I think what you've done here is exemplary. But I want you to remind you, actually, it's only a building. It's only a building. It's only bricks and mortar. This isn't why we gave up our finances. This isn't why I... I've often thought, could I get my money back because I'm now in Bournemouth, you know. I was here when we started giving for the other place and this place. But I didn't give my money for bricks and mortar. I gave my money in the belief... Actually, it was all Heather's money anyway. But we gave our money in the belief God was going to fill this building, hear this, many times over. We were giving because we believed God was going to move in our nation, and particularly in Winchester, and save hundreds into thousands of people. And this is where I want you to just encourage, I believe you'll go into a season, like the animals came two by two, I believe you'll come into a season of two by two. Just felt that expression in my heart. You will double in your size, you will double in your meetings, you will double in terms of your leadership and your effectiveness in everything you're laying your hands on. And I want you to just believe God. When you've thought about your ministry, perhaps you're involved in helping people who got pregnant, perhaps you're involved in the youth or the children, perhaps you're involved in evangelism, I believe God said, I want a doubling in your spirit today. I believe the Holy Spirit is in this room today to give you faith for a doubling. And I believe you need to stir that into your spirit, even as I'm preaching this morning, because as you think, oh, this is all about Steve, God, Steve's got a lot on him, wow, how's he going to do it? I believe God would say, don't you worry about Steve, I'm looking after Steve. I want you to take responsibility. Do you know the price of greatness? Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. And there's no good us laying out prophetic words about what God's going to do in Winchester Family Church unless there are men and women in this room today who say, in and before God, I will take responsibility to see this happen in my life and my generation. So I'm talking about taking responsibility today. Um, I'm aware, by the way, just to say that behind... We're going to pray for John, we're going to pray for Steve. Steve's going to go first and then we're going to pray for John as well. But I'm aware behind them both are brilliant women, amazed women, flabbergasted women actually, that God has been so gracious with their husbands. Responsibility isn't popular. What is popular is rights. Everybody knows their rights today. The children, tiny little toddlers in class, know their rights. They tell their teacher what for. You see these television programs where criminals are caught, people speeding, what have you, and they don't jump out in front of a policeman and go, oops, sorry. They tell them their rights. Don't you touch me. I know my rights. And we've grown up in a culture where there's been rights after rights after rights and nobody, not even a government person from the television will say, actually we're going to take responsibility. We're going to stop blaming everybody else and we're going to take responsibility. We need to hear that from our government at the moment with the nation and the huge crisis we're in. We need somebody who's going to take the responsibility and say, okay, this is going to be painful, but we will take responsibility in the nation. But I haven't got faith 
in the Conservatives or the Labour Party or the Liberal Democrats. The agency God has put on earth to bring lasting change is the Church of Jesus Christ. There is no other agency on earth that can bring that change to a nation. You've, brought, you've grown up, I've grown up in a nation which has taken many things for granted, but I want you to understand that years and years back, in the days when God moved in this nation through Wesley and, and people like um, uh, Whitfield, uh, George Whitfield, that changed not just their day, it changed our day as well. We're living still in some of the inheritance of that. Now Jesus spoke of his church in this way. I just want to read these verses in Matthew chapter uh, 5. Matthew 5 verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But there is a possibility here of salt losing its saltiness. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Winchester Family Church, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do men, people, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The agents for change is the church of Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand this, it would be totally naive and wrong of me to say any old church will do. Because we live in a country where there's a church on every street corner. We live in, in cities where it's church after church. I'm in a, in, a, in a town, in a city, where you can walk down where my offices are and you can pass five or six churches in the space of a hundred yards. And when you come to the book of Revelation and you find that Jesus is talking and judging the churches, the seven churches, you realise that every church is given a mandate or a responsibility from God. And it has to, every church is challenged differently by Jesus. And you have been given a unique calling in God. And so it's not just we're a church and that's it. It's the type of church you're called to be that you need to face today to say this is what we are and this is how we're going to live. It's a salty church. It's a light church. It's a church which brings good news to its neighbourhood and to its world. And every one of you needs to take responsibility for this church. Now I want to show you firstly very quickly why the Bible what the Bible teaches on responsibility. Because you need to be convinced that actually you are made and created to be responsible. You are created not to pass the buck and say, well, I'm going to leave it to my wife, I'm going to leave it to my husband, I'm going to leave it to the leaders. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1.27 it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Now if you turn over to Genesis 2, in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. 
And then into Genesis chapter 3. The serpent, was, verse 1, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And as we know, the woman replied that we, the truth and the serpent uh, tricked her. But when it comes to God walking in the garden in verse 12, the, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let's just draw those verses together. First and foremost, you and I, mankind, was created in the image of God. We are not animals. No matter what you hear on the television, no matter how hard David Attenborough preaches, you are not, I know your wives are prodding you and saying, prodding the husbands and saying, he looks really like a gorilla, actually... We are not animals. We are created differently from the animal world. We are created with more than just brute instinct. We are created with the ability to reason and the ability to know how to respond. It's very important. You see, when I go home this afternoon, my cat won't come to the door and go, I know you've had a busy day, I'll fix lunch. She won't. She'll just come and she'll just want eating she's never helped in anything no matter how hard we've trained her she doesn't know how to take responsibility man, Adam is told to rule creation to exercise dominion and to look after, to control to bring order to the garden but we see that sin enters the world through the devil through the serpent and sin brings blame or, if you like, a refusal to take responsibility. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the snake, and the snake hasn't got a leg to stand on. That's an old one, isn't it? I don't know where I read that. It's interesting that Adam blames, in one sentence, Adam can blame two people in one sentence. The woman, God, you gave me. So if it's not the woman's fault, it's your fault. We're good at that as well. We're very good at making it's either them or it's God's. And of course, because of that rebellion, because of that sin, it plunged the whole earth into the mess that this earth is in. A rebellion to God and to his loving kindness and his purposes. But, 2,000 years ago, there came a man, a God-man, a man, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in human flesh, who came and said, I will take responsibility. He left the glory of heaven and says to his father, the son says to the father, I will take responsibility for the mess of this world. I will make a way where there is no way. I will die a death of righteousness in order that those who are lost can be made one with God. And Jesus comes to this earth, he lives this perfect life, he shows us what God is like and it is glorious. He is the most beautiful human being that's ever walked the earth. And he set his face like flint towards the cross. He suffered the shame and in the garden just before he was going to be executed, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He refused to pass the buck. He refused to push away any responsibility. He took responsibility before his father and he died upon a cross. And he was vindicated. On the third day, he was vindicated 
rose again from the dead, declared righteous before God and declared a way has now been made that men and women can now know God. The wonderful gospel, the glorious gospel, you'll hear it again next week when Adrian preaches it. Jesus took the scroll, as it says in Revelation 5, the scroll that was sealed, the scroll of history, the scroll that mankind could never open. What's going to happen to this world? Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes the scroll, breaks the seals and unfolds history. That history isn't going to degenerate into random chaos, into death and darkness and everlasting damnation. That Jesus was going to bring to birth on the earth a people, a new people. The church of his, his, his beloved church, the church of Jesus Christ. And these people who are born again on earth, saved from death, saved from darkness and judgment. These people, the church of Jesus Christ, we pull together for purpose on this earth to advance his kingdom and to declare his righteousness. How? By taking responsibility before God for where they live, for where they act and where they work. Today, God wants you, as a church, to say, God, I will take responsibility. Responsibility in three areas. Firstly, and I'm going to be very practical now, in your personal lives. You see, I visit a lot of churches. In fact, Steve uh, Haynes and I have just come back from Portugal. We just overlapped a little bit whilst we were there and uh, it's an amazing church in Portugal that's, that's existing out there absolutely phenomenal and, uh, and when you see that, that church you understand how powerful a little group of people really are I want to challenge us to take responsibility firstly for our own lives as I travel I meet Christians who are Nowhere. People are going through the motions coming to church. I know there'll be people in the room today. You're just going through the motions. Why are you just going through the motions? I'll tell you why you're just going through the motions. Because you have been hurt. Because you have been thwarted. Because you've had ambition and somebody's got in your way. Someone's hurt you. And it's made you say, well, okay. I don't think that's quite fair. I think I've been treated badly. And because of that, I'm just going to park myself in church and I'm not, going to take, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm not going to take responsibility. You may well have fallen out with a leader. You may have had a divorce or some terrible situation. You may have had an illness. And you have in that situation not found God, but found a reason to blame. Found a reason to avoid you taking personal responsibility and pushed it to another. I meet people... Every church I go to, I meet people like this. People which have had situations that they cannot control and it's given rise to friction and fallout and, and, and rebellion. I meet Christians who couldn't get a boyfriend. I meet Christians who, actually, they didn't get their promotion. They wanted leadership in the church and it never worked out. And what happens in this situation is Christians starting at this place where they believe in God for the church, believe in God for their life, start this death spiral where they get further and further into despair and rebellion. It moves from when you, get, when you have a situation like this, let me just help you. Things, bad things happen to Christians. They do. 
But you are responsible what you do with that. No one else is. You are before God responsible. See, what happens in this death spiral is firstly you refuse to accept you have any responsibility in this, even when you've been sinned against. Sometimes you characterise the person. You retell the story again and again and again. You draw others into your rebellion, into your hurt, into your, your sin. And then the next level down is it comes into self-pity. You blame them. You blame everybody in, in t- contact with them. You resent them. You move yourself into isolation. And then the next level down is into the danger, depression, despair, resentment growing to self-righteousness. And eventually you end up in a pit. And that pit can include depression, that pit can in, in, include uh, all kinds of mental illnesses. And all because of this one thing. You refused to take responsibility. Now let me just put some flesh on the bones. My wife, Heather, some years ago, I've told this story before, but for you who've never heard this story before, she, her parents owned uh, quite a, a large amount of properties in Allsford, which isn't very far away. And uh, when I got married to Heather, I, I found all this out, that uh, one day I was going to become very rich. That's how I saw it. And uh, things went very, very wrong in her family. Her mother died and the father went into another relationship which was a sinful relationship. And uh, I can remember, it's it's very vivid, I can remember to this day going to the, her father died about five years after we were married, went to the um, office of the solicitor, we sat down and I'm sitting there with Heather's brother and sister and I am thinking Porsche Carrera, Ferrari, that's the way my mind is thinking. I just want to know how much this is going to be worth. You know, are we talking half a million, million? What, what's the value here? And uh, the solicitor turned and said, I just want you to know, you three children have been completely disinherited. <laughs> it's like, run that past me one more time, that word, disinherited. I don't quite understand. Well, every, everything, absolutely everything. And after that occasion, Heather and I nosedived into resentment, into anger, into blame, into a pit. And spiritually we went backwards. We blamed others and we blamed God. And we came to a place called Stanmore Evangelical Free Church, same time as Dave and Dawn Borg, who are still here, came along and I heard Greg Haslam preach about forgiveness. And it just blew us away. It totally blew us away that actually we were called to take responsibility even when bad things happened to us and to release the power of forgiveness that not only blesses the world but will also free us from the, from the cycle of sin and depression. And I remember Heather went to this lady and she said, I forgive you. The lady said, I've got nothing wrong. And Heather said, I don't care. I am free. And she's lived free by the grace of God to this point in time. You see, we're talking about God's purposes in Winchester, God's purposes in this nation. How are they going to be outworked? Yes, it's going to be through leaders. Praise God for leaders. But actually, you are the full-time workforce. You are the army of God. The drums are beating for you. 
and it's for you to get in step with the drumbeat and say, we are the people of God for this day and this generation and we will take responsibility. Take responsibility for bad things that have happened to us and deal with that biblically and take responsibility for the vision and direction of this church to go with our leaders. Very, very important this morning. You take responsibility. Second thing you want you to take responsibility for is for this church. In 1 Corinthians 12, I haven't got time to read it, Paul says the church is the body of Christ. It's not like a body, it is a body. And he goes on to show that every single part of the human body is attached to another part, derives its life, its energy, its fulfilment through others. And he says that is the picture of the church. The church isn't just about one part working. We're all aware, and I know as a church you're carrying this with Luke Woods, you're all aware how little tiny movements in an arm, in in a neck, in in a voice, they become suddenly so important that one part of the body is communicated to the next. And as we pray every day, and I'm part of that little world where you're, you're blogging in every day and checking it out, you're praying every day for the body to be connected life to life, muscle to muscle, limb to limb. And we rejoice with every part that starts to get energised. The fact that Luke can lift his arm suddenly becomes something massive. Now, the way in which we're praying for Luke and longing for Luke is the way we need to pray for one another in the body of Christ. Because you're all fingers and toes and tongues and kidneys and everything else. But I don't think you see it. You don't see your spiritual life is dependent on your neighbour. You don't see their life is dependent on you. When you're coming to church, when you're going to sell, others are waiting on you. They need your encouragement. They need your prayers, your love. I've uh, taken up jogging with my daughter uh, and uh, I'm getting a bit old for that now. But uh, the thing is with the body, the body speaks. Does your body, I mean, my body has a riot when I go jogging. I'm, I'm out, I'm literally about 100 yards out and, 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 and my legs are straight in. <laughs> Who, whose idea was this? Who, who said we're going jogging? We haven't done that for years. And then the feet join in. The feet go, you think it's bad up there? Try banging, banging, banging on the tarmac. It's really hard down here. Anyone who says jogging is lonely, you've got to be kidding. The whole body is talking and the heart always chimes in and says, listen guys, if, if I go, you all go. <laughs> we know an awful lot about the human body. We know about super skinnies. We know about super larges. We know about people who have blamed their childhood or their parents for the way they are. We know so much about food and how much fats and carbs and everything else that are in it. Yet the irony is, it doesn't, that knowledge doesn't always end up helping us. You as a church have sat and listened to some outstanding preachers over the years. Greg Haslam is still one of my favourite preachers. John Gross is another one. You've listened to outstanding preachers and you've gone, wow, that's food fit for a king. I want you to understand it doesn't help you one jot or tickle if you don't put it into practice. 
They have noticed this almost spiritual pride that can come upon believers. Yeah, we've got some of the best Bible teachers in the country. It doesn't help you. You don't somehow sort of osmosis like get that for yourself. You have to listen to the Word of God. You have to carve up the Word of God and you have to do the Word of God. Otherwise you just end up fat. Your ego is huge, overtaught, brains like planet and yet you're like a huge great fat of blob of fat sitting on your chair. Paul wants every single member to be livingly connected to another and saying, I will take responsibility. There's a smelly person that's just walked in the church. No one's sitting next to them. I will take responsibility. Wow, that person's crying at the end of the meeting. Good grief, she's in a right state. No one go near her. No, I will go over and I will pray with her and take responsibility. Cells, oh, so boring. Well, make them different. Take some responsibility. It's only when the whole church starts to live and act like that that you will actually be enabled by God to grow and fulfil his calling over you. Single young guys in this church, you need a wife perhaps, you're getting 20s, 25. Well, we live in the modern age of Facebook, texting, Twitter. Twitter's is for twits. You need to take responsibility... Some of you young guys, you need to take responsibility for building the church and not just keep it on a sort of very sort of pleasant level with girls, but actually find some responsibility and some courage and ask a girl out. We're living in this world, aren't we? Everyone's frightened of commitment. Everyone's, oh, hi. Oh, that's nice. We're all platonic. Platonic's rubbish. When I saw Helen, I want to marry her. I was going to move heaven and earth to get her into my sort of uh, closest confines. Some of you guys, come on, get get real. Get get talk to your pastors and your elders and get a girlfriend, get a wife. Gracious gifts to his church's leadership. God has given you some good leaders. But today, I believe God has given you a real side-left leader. I believe with all my heart that Steve models something of God's heart. The minute I saw Steve and started to work with Steve, I felt here is a man like David after God's own heart. With a shepherd-like humility, not someone who's going to push himself forward, but actually someone who loves people, who loves the word of God and is committed to building the church of Jesus Christ. You're getting a very special gift and it is hedge ends loss, but it is Winchester's gain today. And you need to take responsibility, church, to make their work, Steve and Annette and all the other elders, a joy, not a burden. Make this the best years of Steve's life. Take responsibility to do that. Take responsibility with West Point. Can I just put, bring in West Point? I hate camping. I'm not trying to encourage you to all become happy campers at all. I'm encouraging you to be the church that God's called you to be. And that's an apostolic church. Not necessarily one in which an, apostol, an apostle lives, but one that actually takes an apostolic mantle to take responsibility 
There are literally hundreds of churches that you're going to be made responsible for. At West Point, we're going to gather some 30 of those churches together. And you need to be there. You need to be there because this is going to be about God's greater purposes being unfolded in the nations. And you as a church, Bournemouth I know, also carries that responsibility. But you as a church have begun this incredible blessing in the south coast. And you need to make sure you carry it through to completion. So can I encourage you, we should beat Bournemouth. This isn't being, oh it might be taped, don't let anybody in Bournemouth here. Beat Bournemouth in terms of the numbers of people. We're ahead of you by about 30 or 40 at the moment. That is shocking. You need to get 200 folk there at West Point because God's going to come, we're going to encounter God together and we're going to believe God that we can take many more towns and cities and, and countries even for the gospel and for the grace of God. You have a big part to play. You need to take responsibility. Take responsibility for this church. I would just put this last sort of comment in terms of taking responsibility, something I can just charge Steve with. We have every year in Bournemouth all hands on deck. We have a day set aside every year where we challenge every single member to be serving in one area. It's it's changed, I've been doing it three years now. We have virtually every member serving in some one area. So we expect every member to come on Sundays, we expect every member to be part of the cell, and we expect every member to serve. Now we understand those coming out of recovery may take a little bit longer, but even those can serve. You see, when we started helping people out of alcohol and drug addiction, do you know what they said? We can't take responsibility. We're on the dole for the rest of our life. And we said to them, rubbish! We don't care what the government says, you need to work. Paid or unpaid, that is part of the gospel. The gospel is that you have something to share, something for yourself and something to share with others in need. And so we encourage, we don't see someone, we see people saved, but we don't see them as a disciple until they're actually back into work and back into helping others by by working each day. Everybody in the church needs to work. It's good and it's godly and it blesses the body. Finally, responsibility for your neighbour. Acts 17 talks about God has placed and knows the exact location where every person on this earth lives. And he's done it for a purpose that men might seek him and men might find him. That means you and I are living in the right place in God. We've got programs which are called Neighbours from Hell. I don't know what sort of neighbour you are. I like to think of the Christian alternative, we are called to be neighbours from heaven. Are you a neighbour from heaven? Is it the best thing that ever happened to your neighbours when you moved in? Do you know that was actually said to us by our older neighbours on one side? So grateful the day you moved in, Heather and I moved in. When we move into our house, my vision for my street is my street becomes converted. That's why I'm living on my street. I'm praying, we get our neighbours in, we do things with our neighbours. I'm praying the street gets converted. Not everybody will, but lots of them will. And we're living. Do you know, last week, one of our neighbours, three across the road, came to church, uninvited, came along to church. We invited her, she came at Christmas, she came again last week. 
She came up and said to me, hi. And I went, sorry, don't know you. It's good, good neighbours, isn't it? Who are you? I was thinking church. I wasn't thinking neighbours. And joy, oh joy, wow. But it just felt, I wanted to come along to church. You know, everything that's going on at the moment in the nation, just wanted to come to church. Great, fantastic. She didn't get saved, but she was there. Our next door neighbours, who, who, on one side, they did get saved. A few years ago, they did get, come along to church and they were born again. I want to challenge you not to worry about whether they're going to get saved or not. I want to challenge you whether or not they, whether or not they even know they've got neighbours. Because in Winchester, you like to keep it private. I've lived here. Your home is your castle. You get out of your front door. You go to your car. You drive. Hello, that's it. That's a, hello, that's it. Get into your neighbours' lives. Get into their homes. Get them into your home. There's not, you're not going to win Winchester unless you start doing this, alright? They're not going to just come through the door and go, oh, thought we might pass here and come in. They won't. That's a huge obstacle to come into some doors into a building like this. You've got to get your neighbours to know each other. You've got to get your neighbours talking. You've got to do some fun things. You've got to do some generous things. Food, hospitality, a glass of wine. You need a vision for your street. God has called you as a church to grow. It begins with you saying, I will take responsibility today for my neighbours, for my street, that people will talk to one another and people will know there is a Christian who lives next door to them. Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill. So there's the three areas I want you to take responsibility for today. Nice and simple. This is a day where we're going to set in a lead elder who's going to take this church forward. Before we do that, your responsibility before God is to say, yes, I will take responsibility for my own life. I'll stop sitting on the back row. I'll stop blaming the leaders. I'll stop blaming circumstances. I'll stop blaming my wife. And today I'll take responsibility to say, I will be a man or a woman of God in this church for good. Secondly, I'm going to take responsibility for the church. I'm not going to look at the people, the visitors who come in, the person who's in a mess, and think, cool, I'm glad that's not me. Give it to Stephen and Annette. I will take responsibility. I'll take responsibility to go to cell. I'll take responsibility for every single situation God puts in front of me, and I will be a, an agent of blessing. I will be salt, and I will be light to that situation. Thirdly, I'm going to take responsibility for my neighbour. I'm going to be a neighbour from heaven. I'd love to run a Christian program a year from now and say, let's hear the stories of what you did for your neighbours. You know, I was rushing out the door the other day and I was on my way to a church meeting and my neighbour said to me, I'm in a crisis, can you help me? And you know what, I, 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 I nearly said, sorry, there's something far more important, I'm going to church. But I didn't. I felt the Holy Spirit on me. I said, hang on, I'll just make a call. Made a call, can't make it, someone else lead that meeting, bang. Help my neighbour. We've got to organise our diary around the lost. You cannot believe the lost is going to make their way somehow into here. They won't. They won't. They'll make their way into here when they've actually got people who do school work next to them, university work next to them, or live next to them and make a difference. There's the three challenges I'm asking you to make. Take responsibility before God today.
I want to bring a charge to the church now. I want to sort of earth this and, uh, and, and, and to make this, I want to pray for Steve first and then I'm going to get John up here as well. But first of all, Steve, would you like to come and join me? Why don't you just thank God for Steve as he comes because he is a... Greg Haslam on this day, it is unrealistic of us to think we can stay as we are. Life on earth would become intolerable and life in heaven unbearable. God has to transform us so that we might become what God has purposed that we should be. Today is a day of transformation. Today is a day where we say before God, we're not going to stay as we are. We can thank God, God's led us to this point safely. But we're now going to follow behind this man and the elders. But this man as he leads the elders into a great future. So let me bring a charge to the church. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy and not a burden, as this would be of no advantage to you. I want to ask you, Winchester Family Church, will you receive Steve as your lead elder today? Will you pray for him? Will you consider the outcome of his life and imitate his faith? Will you obey him? and submit to his leadership as he seeks before God to bring leadership to the elders and to this church and as he brings the word of God week on week before you. Will you follow him as an under-shepherd of Jesus and seek to make his work a joy and not a burden? If you would, I'd like you to stand, please. Now I'd like to ask you, Steve, a couple of questions in terms of leading this church. But just to preface it by saying this, the Lord is my shepherd and Jesus said I am the good shepherd. Jesus' challenge in the reinstatement of Peter was to feed his lambs and take care of his sheep and to feed his sheep. And in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearance in his kingdom, Steve, I want to give you this charge today. At the end of these five charges, I want you to say, I will, if you will. Will you, first of all, preach the word of God in season and out of season? Will you make it your duty to feed, to heal, to lead and protect this flock from all its enemies? Will you devote yourself as a man to the word of God in order that you might correct and rebuke with careful instruction and enable every member of Winchester Family Church to develop to become a mature disciple of Jesus? Will you seek first the chief shepherd for your elders and for this flock and become an under-shepherd as God wanted you to be? 
And finally, will you set every believer in this church an example in the way in which you live at home, doing the work of an evangelist, with your family, within your community, and to enable others to see your life and godliness and to imitate it. Are you this day confirmed before God and this church the desire and calling that the Holy Spirit has put within you to lead the elders and to be an overseer of this church? If you are, would you please confirm with, I will. (laughs) I will. I will. Praise God. I just want to pray now. Let's just stretch out your hands towards this man. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, John and I, as members of this apostolic team, just want to set this man in place today. We thank you for the amazing grace upon his life, on his family. Lord, all the way in which you've led him over the years, Lord, you've been a faithful God. And Lord, We see in him the spirit of David that you commended, that humble spirit and yet that lion-hearted spirit that took on the lion and the bear and would take on a Goliath. And Lord, we set him in today. I set him in by the, the power of God and the anointing on me. I set him in to lead this church, to be the lead elder of this church, to lead his elders well to bring a real great team feel, Lord, that the, the whole of the eldership would feel gel together to move into this new phase, this new season. Lord, even out of the eye of the storm, into the whirlwind of all that's going on in the nation, we set him in to this role today with gratitude and with thankfulness for your grace on his life. We pray for the authority of God with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill him today that he wouldn't be reliant on his own understanding, he wouldn't be reliant on his own past, but Lord would be a man who lives by the Spirit of God, who lives in the power of the Holy Spirit and lives under the authority of the Word of God. Lord, we bless you for his life. We set him into eldership, into lead eldership today and we say, God, may this church prosper. May everything he touches prosper. May every single member be empowered for their work of ministry. And may this church multiply. I pray a doubling on Steve's gifting and I pray a doubling of your blessing and your anointing on Winchester Family Church that it might grow and grow and grow in everything it touches. For Jesus' name and for Jesus' glory. Amen. 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 Lord, we do uh, gladly just receive Steve as our our lead elder. We pray, Lord, for your mantle to fall on him, uh, even from today, of a a double anointing. Yeah, we do pray for that. Double, Lord. All the gifts you've given him, double them. Lord, in impact and effectiveness. We thank you, Lord, for his heart. Thank you for his calling. Thank you for his lovely family. We thank you for seeing them all as a gift from you to us. as a church and Lord we want to receive them with gratitude we thank you but we pray Lord let his ways prosper here leading us may this be a very successful move Lord we ask that unashamedly what we mean Lord is that people be saved and added to the church that people be freed from bondage people will be come to wholeness in you Lord Jesus that there'll be a a light and a liberty and a joy and a freedom and a prosperity and a multiplication 
on the dear people of this church as, as Steve takes over the lead shepherd, lead pastor role. We, we pray for him. Lord, may your face shine upon him and do him good. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, before we get uh, Annette up, don't you guys stay, stay there, please. I, I want us just to pray as a church for John. Because uh, this is one of... Uh, my best friends, and uh, I count it a great honour to be, be with this man. He serves me wonderfully, uh, as he serves you wonderfully, right across uh, the south and southwest and into the nations. And uh, this, is a, this is an important step for John, uh, because in New Frontiers, we haven't done this that well in the past. When a, a lead elder takes a step back and another guy comes through, Often there are tensions, often there's a sense of what happens next. I believe John, again, has amazing grace. I believe he's got a real humble spirit which enables this to take place. And I've got faith that this is going to be for the blessing of this church, but the blessing of loads more other people. And so I'd just like to pray for him that in this new as he has a sabbatical in Mamara and they have great fun, but actually, as he comes back, this church, you just see the joy that he's carried the responsibility, he's given it over, or the lead eldering bit over to Steve, and he just sees this church doing everything he's put on his heart to see God do. So I just want to pray for him. Would you stretch out your hands to him? Jesus, I thank you for this dear friend, Lord, a father, a, a grandfather, a man of wisdom. Lord, thank you for all the wonderful gifts. He's like a sort of one of these magic boxes, Lord, that out of his spirit comes so much good, old and new. Vintage wine and bubbly new champers, Lord. He comes out with prophetic pictures which can change a whole movement. And he comes out with simple words that can change your life. And we want to honour you for him. We want to thank you for him. We want to pray, Lord, as he takes this bold step, Lord, into a wider sphere, as he supports me and the whole of the realm of the apostolic, I pray, Lord, whatever he puts his hand to, I pray, Lord, let him keep focus. Let him have the joy of seeing this church, Winchester Family Church, going from strength to strength. New life, as we've encountered it this morning, I pray for it to be in salvation as well. Babies born every week. Two by two. I pray, Lord, as he goes into the nations, into India, into Portugal and other nations like Russia, I pray, God, use him mightily, Lord. May he see churches planted. May he see leaders raised up. May, Lord, you give him prophetic words that shape a whole nation. Oh, God, bless you for him. I pray for his sabbatical and I pray, Lord, that he would have joy and rest. Him and Marion would just have such a wonderful, almost like second honeymoon on their, on their sabbatical. Lord, would you bless them and prosper them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, just like their wives up as well. Marion, you come up. Annette, you come up. Because I'd like you as a church to thank God for these wives, not just these men. Let's just thank God for them.